Hello, you're listening to the Ambition Podcast. I'm Ellen Buckin, Insights and Communications Executive at AMBA and BGA. Today in the podcast, I spoke to Brian Hartzer. Brian is an expert at managing the crisis, from the sessions to leadership defections, cybersecurity threats, terrorism events, kidnappings, earthquakes, floods, tsunamis, and political disputes. Brian's faced it all. Brian came on the podcast to give advice on how leaders can stay calm when faced with a crisis, how they can keep their team calm during a crisis, and also how to keep them happy and engaged. We also spoke about Brian's new book, which is entitled The Leadership Star, A Practical Guide to Building Engagement. Here's that conversation. So tell me a little bit about yourself and your career so far, please. Sure. Well, my career has mostly been in financial services. I spent 10 years in management consulting uh, for a specialty firm that uh, does banking strategy. And I then got hired by one of my clients, which was ANZ Bank in Melbourne, Australia. I'm from New York originally. Um, And uh, I ran the credit card business there and then the retail bank. And then when the Royal Bank of Scotland blew up um, in the financial crisis. I was recruited as part of the cleanup crew to come and help uh, restore RBS and NatWest. And I ran the um, retail bank of NatWest in the UK. Um, And I also oversaw Ireland, which was um, Ulster Bank. And I was also um, for a time CEO of Coots, uh, the private bank. And then In uh, 2012, I came back to Australia to go to work for Westpac, which is Australia's um, oldest company and original bank. And then I uh, became CEO of Westpac in 2015, and I was there for just under five years. Um, And then for the last couple of years, I have been working in startup land, doing some fintech startups and chairing uh, an HR technology startup and doing some angel investing, as well as... um, sharing some thoughts around leadership engagement off the back of the book that I wrote. There's just so much I want to talk to you about, but uh, <laughs> firstly, I'll bring it on. Great. Um, you recently wrote an article for our online magazine ambition about leading through a crisis. And I was wondering if you could set the scene for the podcast by telling us about some of the crises that you have read through. <laughs> yeah, there've been some doozies. Um, you might not expect it thinking about banking being kind of boring, but as a consequence of overseeing um, significant banking businesses around the region and in a couple of different markets. I've had what you'd expect, which is economic recessions and, of course, the global financial crisis. Um, But I've also had to deal with leadership team defections, governance crises in in the company, technology outages, cybersecurity events, labor disputes, uh, major terrorism events, holdups, kidnappings, protests in our branches, uh, political coups. Um, and then there's the all the natural disasters. So I've had earthquakes, floods, tsunamis, had a volcano, uh, actually two volcanoes, uh, hurricanes, bushfires, um, uh, a pandemic. Um, and then you've had political and regulatory interventions. I dealt with the Royal Commission um, and a number of class action lawsuits. So um, I've had a few. My goodness, what a career. <laughs> So what did you learn from each of these crises? Well, lots. Uh, Each one is a bit different. I suppose if I were to try and summarize it, um, there'd be probably four big things that that characterize many of them. The first one is the importance of preparing. 
Um, and I think that maybe companies could um, think about spending a bit more time doing scenario planning and really thinking through what are the sorts of things that could happen. And then let's actually game out in the event that did happen, what would we do? And certainly at the big companies I've worked in, we would at least once or twice a year have a, a day where we would work through a scenario um, as if it was really happening. And that might sound a bit much, but it's it's remarkable how you suddenly stumble over things that you didn't think you needed to realize, like um, you haven't, for example, locked in supply arrangements that allow you to bring extra staff to bear on an issue very quickly um, and so forth. And so coming up with um, playbooks and clarity of communications and all the things that you need to do, including drafting media releases and things like that that you might want to deal with is, is incredibly important. I think the second thing is at a, from a people point of view, recognizing that people's needs change when there is a crisis. So when things are going well, people are worried about their careers, they're working about worried about personal fulfillment and, and, and so forth. And when things suddenly go badly, all of a sudden they start to worry about much more basic things. If you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, um, they start worrying about job security. They start worrying about personal security, their health, their family situation, um, and so on. And so when you're talking to people and addressing issues, you need to recognize that what they're worrying about might be different than what they were worrying about a week ago. Uh, the third thing I'd say is really about communications and communicating transparently and with empathy and trying to give people some sense of control over their destiny and talking to them about what you know and what you don't know and what they can do and what they can't do. And I, I guess the final one would be about being decisive. Um, in normal times, you typically will take the time to make the best decision you can, involving people in it, syndicating ideas, trying to build consensus. In a crisis, you often don't have the luxury of that. You have to make the best decision you can with the information you have at hand and be um, willing to, to reverse yourself if, if things turn out not the same. Um, so that, that would be broadly the categories I'd, I'd think about. You seem like a very calm person, but when these massive events are going on, how do you keep yourself calm and how do you keep yourself calm for your team? Well, that's nice of you to say. I, I do think that for a leader to remain calm is is really quite important. I mean, you need to be the one who is dispassionate and seeing the context of the situation and constantly asking yourself, okay, what's really important here? What's really going on? Um, I learned this, interestingly, when I went to RBS, the, the bank had essentially failed and I had tens of thousands of people reporting to me who had lost their life savings because they'd been encouraged to invest in RBS shares. And now for many of them, their jobs were at risk. And what I found interesting was that because I hadn't been involved in causing the issue, I was able to be really quite dispassionate about what was good and what wasn't good and what we needed to do. And I think it's it's very important for leaders to recognize that part of their job is is to try and stay emotionally detached from the situation and and add value by thinking very clearly about it. I think the second thing is I've made a habit in my career of trying to separate how I feel about myself from how I feel about my business results. 
And I think that's a trap that lots of ambitious people fall into early in their career, where when the career is going well, they think they're great. And when it's not going well, they think they're terrible. And actually, neither is really true. And I think it's important to have a sense of values and how you really assess yourself and recognize that there's a level of randomness in life and you can't control everything that happens. And so there's no point beating yourself up about a situation that that you didn't create. So I think that 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 habit of thought um, has has helped me when when things have turned to custard that I can see it as an external issue rather than internalizing it. And that helps me stay calm. And and I think um, the final thing I would say, and this is particularly true when I went into a CEO job, is having worked for a number of CEOs over time, I understood that when you are the CEO of a major company, you are effectively accountable for everything that goes on, even though you may not know everything that goes on. And, and to recognize that you're going to be the focus of attention uh, in a crisis and to be ready for that um, and to understand that that is part of the job. And I think if you can anticipate that and remind yourself of that, particularly when things are going well, it helps you stay a bit more balanced when things aren't going well. That's great advice. So going on from that, how do you keep employees kind of like happy, engaged during this crisis situation? Like what advice would you have for managers? Yeah, it's it's a tricky one. Uh, a couple of things. I mean, one of the things I've already alluded to, which is that is to recognize that people's needs are different, that they, if you like, they fall down Maslow's hierarchy a bit. And so you you want to acknowledge the pressures and the fears that they're facing. And if you think about what we've just all been through with COVID, for example, recognizing that early on in the crisis, people were really worried about their health, their their family's health, their their jobs. And so being able to speak directly to that and taking actions that help address those fundamental concerns um, is really important. I think the second thing is to go back to the basics. I mean, certainly when I was at RBS, we focused very much on let's just get back to the basics of serving customers well and the external purpose of the organization. So you try to get people to focus on the contribution they're making and why their job matters, why the organization matters, what positive impact it's making, and get them focused externally rather than just obsessing about the internal situation. And, and so I think giving people that's purpose is really important. I think thirdly, you have to communicate very transparently. And that includes acknowledging what's uncertain, acknowledging what you don't know as well as what you do know. And and managing people's expectations and building trust by being really transparent and and then following up when when things do change or when you do make a decision, being open with people about that and why you're doing it. And then I suppose the last thing is at a human level, being genuinely empathetic, supportive, and caring for the people around you. And if, if people, it doesn't mean you don't make a hard decision. It doesn't mean you don't make difficult choices about people's jobs or, or the, the company's product line or whatever it might be. But you then acknowledge, you know, hey, I know this is hard and I know that it's, it's not easy and, and we're going to do what we can to support you as, as human beings while recognizing that we have to make some difficult decisions for the good of the company. And I think that in my experience, most people 
if you handle it that way, they get that. They, they like to be treated as adults. They understand typically that things are in a difficult situation and that you have to make choices. Um, and as long as you're straightforward about that, while also acknowledging there's a human cost and doing what you can to ameliorate that, uh, most people, I think, tend to be able to deal with that pretty constructively. So I'd like to go on to ask a little bit about your book, um, The Leadership Star, A Practical Guide to Building Engagement. Can you tell me a little bit more about the main themes of the book and kind of why you wrote it? Sure. Well, I'm not a trained, um, unlike most of your listeners, I don't have an MBA, actually. Um, And I had to kind of figure the management thing out uh, early on. I was put in charge of a credit card business with a thousand people. And um, had to work out how to do that. And one of the things that I read early on was this idea that if you could get people to be emotionally engaged with the work, if they could feel like they were making a real impact, then you would tend to be able to attract better people and they would they would deliver more and, and the business would perform better. So I became very focused on this question of what do I personally need to do as a leader, as opposed to what does the HR department need to do? And over the years, I paid close attention to leaders that were having good results, both in terms of their business performance and their engagement and trying to figure out what exactly do they do? And I started taking notes about that and trying things and applying it and and it worked. Um, And um, a few years later, one of my businesses was going very, very well. And a colleague asked me to come and talk to his team about what it was we were doing in my business. And so I sat down and made my list of all the various ideas. And being a good ex-management consultant, I you can't have a list with more than five things on it. So I, I bowled it all down to, to five things, which I shared with the team. And they found that really helpful. And, and over the years, I turned it into a presentation that I would teach to my various management teams. And it was what I thought were the essence of how you need to get people engaged in a business and um, what are the things that everyone is essentially looking for. And um, people over the years found it really helpful. And um, during COVID, it seemed like a good time where leadership was increasingly important. If you look at this so-called great resignation, for example, to me, it's, it's a clear sign that leaders are failing to engage their people. And so it felt like a really good time to try to write a book that I think of as the book I wish I'd had 20 years ago when I was trying to figure out how to do this leadership thing. And I tried to make it really something that people could carry around in their heads. They could remember, they could apply. And then I've put lots of specific war stories and ideas in that I've picked up over the years on various aspects of, of the framework that I've, that I've stumbled onto. It sounds amazing. So the book covers the five points of the leadership star, which are care, context, clarity, clear the way and celebrate. And this might be a bit of a silly question, but do you have one point of the star that you think is kind of the most important? Yes, well, um, you've you've nailed the five C's, so thank you for that. Um, I, I would start with the first one, care. And each of these things, they all sound kind of straightforward, but they each have a subtlety. And so if I use care as an example, um, care is about caring for people as individual human beings, as opposed to just this generic notion that, oh, of course, I care about my people. And my point is that if you care about people as individuals, it's not a state of being, it's care is an action verb. You have to actually 
take steps that demonstrate that you have people's best interests at heart, that you want them to succeed, you want them to grow in, in their career. And so that means taking a genuine interest, being willing to customize the way you give them feedback or the opportunities that you give them according to what their needs are, um, whether they recognize it or not. It means not just being nice to people, it means being willing to have difficult conversations on the basis that they believe that you have their best interest at heart. And so they're willing to, to take feedback. And it means showing them that, that their results actually matter and that you care about outcomes, not just you know everybody having a nice time. And, and I think that is really quite profound and fundamental that, um, that this sense of care, if it's coming from a genuine place, because I think people can spot a phony, um, if you can, if you're really clear on why you're there and what impact you want to make and what impact the organization needs to make and how that lines up with your own values, then um, I think that will come through and and is really a great foundation for for building a highly engaged team. Great advice, but unfortunately that's all we have time for. But thank you so much for coming on and giving such pertinent advice for what's going on in the world at the moment. That's well. That's my pleasure, and I hope people get a chance to look at the book and um, find it find it helpful. Um, it's if, if people get something useful out of it, then um, I'm uh, I'm thrilled. So thanks um, for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you so much to Brian for being on the podcast. If you'd like more about leadership, head to www.associationofmbas.com forward slash ambition.